Hello, and welcome to Bespoke Speaks. This is Bespoke Communications podcast about anything and everything to do with communication. I'm Christine, and I'm joined here today by my colleague, Craig Jicker. Hi, Craig. Hi. How are you? I, I am well. Good. I am well. I'm glad to be here. Oh, yes. we're so glad to have you. So Craig and I have known each other now for almost seven years, which is really crazy to contemplate. Wow. We, seven years. Yeah, right? We first met because we certified together in a, a body of voice work called Fitzmorris Voice Work back in 2013. And Craig was actually the first person I talked to on the certification course. <laughs> you remember that, I Craig? forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but we were filling out some paperwork yeah. and you just you looked at me and you said something, I don't remember, and we just started joking around. And yeah. I thought, oh, I'm, I'm going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think we were all a little bit nervous. Yeah, yeah. I think you were. Pro- I think you were the first person I cried to on that training. Actually. Oh really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was meant to be. It was meant to be. The first person I laughed <laughs> with. The first, first person, person you cried, cried with. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so that's where we originally met, and then. Since then, we have worked together in a teaching capacity on several occasions. We have taught some presence and creative work, uh, creative flow workshops for performers. We have, uh, we're about to do a, a workshop with Amnesty International, aren't we, in March? Yep. Uh, and Craig is just an absolutely wonderful human being and teacher and coach. And uh, Craig, before we dive into why you're here, would you like to say a little bit more about what you do? Oh, yes. Um, you know, when people ask me that question, I always ask them, uh, what day of the week is it? Because yes. <laughs> it's different uh, on every single day of the week. But I suppose the short version would be uh, I'm a voice coach, a mm. presence coach, mm. um, and also an organic intelligence coach Mm -hmm. which I'm sure we will be uh, getting into more Mm -hmm. Uh, organic intelligence is a a mindfulness and compassion based clinical approach to help alleviate the symptoms of stress anxiety and trauma Mm -hmm. um, and help people live more present vibrant lives Um, so yeah I mean I want to also do some corporate communications work Mm -hmm. as well so um all things voice, all mm. things communications. Uh, also, uh, yeah, I mean, I suppose there's a spirit, spiritual aspect to it, perhaps. Mm. That's maybe more of a personal interest mm. uh, to mine, or transpersonal, whatever you like to call that. Um, but uh, the, the work sort of, like, the work that I do sort of all... Like intertwines with each other. Yeah. As you'll, I mean, you'll know as as a as a voice and communications teacher. Um, I work with the nervous system to help people get uh, more regulated on a biological level, and then how that uh, manifests into their lives in a in a kind of positive way. Mm. Um, wherever that is, mm. so that could show up as an organic intelligence session, which is. Um, you know, a, a interpersonal biofeedback session, mm. uh, like uh, um, where we have a free association conversation, mm. and uh, uh, we allow their biology to uh, emerge in a way that is uh, fruitful to their lives. Mm. Um, 
and uh, you know, and then classic voice teacher stuff like with mm-hmm. actors, singers. Um, that was my first uh, flurry into teaching was teaching singing, mm. uh, and um, the corporate side. So I go into like big, like legal firms and actually more than legal firms, uh, pharmaceutical companies, uh, Google. Mm. Uh, oh, I'm allowed to say that. Product placement, um, uh, <laughs> uh, and teach them how to communicate better and build strong relationships and be compassionate towards each other and basically, you know, just how to be, you know, good human beings. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. Thank you. Yeah, it sounds like I'd like to follow you around for a week. Oh right? yeah. Just... <laughs> really? Wow. Yeah, I think I would. I think we all would after yeah. hearing that. Yeah. Well, just uh, shoot me an email if you'd like to follow me around for a week. <laughs> <laughs> more about his contact details later yes but yeah so I'm, I'm curious about something that you said really which I think leads us nicely into what we're here to talk about today mm. which is this body of work called organic intelligence uh, which I thought you really succinctly described because sometimes when people ask me what that is I feel like I really struggle to sort of define it so mm. I love the way that you just described it and like yeah. A sentence or two, yeah. um, but also about how that kind of feeds into everything that you do, uh, whether it be your your more your more classic voice coaching or um, a specific organic intelligence session or working with your your um, the people that you train on a corporate level. So, can you? I what I'm curious about. I think for our audience who really probably have just no idea what organic intelligence is. Can we break that down a little bit more? Mm. And how might that be useful to people who want to be better communicators? Mm. Like, because often the way, so the way it's described on the website is as a trauma healing mm-hmm. um, thing, but it seems to go way, it doesn't say it's a trauma healing thing. Mm. <laughs> I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> <laughs> but it talks about it in the context of trauma healing. Yeah. But how you use it as a coach is sometimes that. So sometimes mm-hmm. you work as an organic intelligence coach. But do you also bring it into the other things that you do in terms of being a communication training coach or an acting coach yeah. or a voice coach? Mm. So that was a lot of questions at once. So do you many. have a sense of where you want to start? Yeah, there's, there's, uh, yeah. The, the, the first thing is I'm reminded of something that Steve says that... Um, do you want to tell them uh, who Steve is? Oh, Steve. Steve is Stephen, Stephen Hoskinson, who's the founder of Organic Intelligence, uh, founder and chief compassion officer, mm. um, is uh, what he calls himself. And he is, he's like one of the most compassionate people that I've ever met. Mm. Um he he often says that he is the worst person to uh, uh, give a succinct uh, definition of organic intelligence because he's the he's he is the person that takes th- uh, three years to teach people about organic intelligence mm-hmm. through the heart training. There's a a training that I'm currently on called the heart training. I'm in my final year of that, um, which is a human empowerment and resiliency training mm-hmm. in Switzerland, and um. So yeah, like I think the the deeper you get with organic intelligence, the more you study it, the diff- the more difficult it becomes about to describe. Yeah, like given given the sort of elevator pitch, yes. like um, I think people can find it helpful if you're just having a chat about it and they've never uh, they've never heard of it before. And I usually like it's literally like it's all it's almost like learned off the top of my head that it's a um, compassion and mindfulness uh, 
based clinical approach to help alleviate the symptoms of stress, anxiety and trauma. Yeah. Um, one of the uh, things that is particularly unique about organic intelligence is that um, uh, the, it goes beyond trauma. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, there is a, actually an online course called the End of Trauma mm-hmm. course. Um, and that is to allow people to get beyond their traumas because what Steve had found um, through his many years of being a uh, clinical psychologist, uh, one of the leading people in uh, somatic psychology and trauma healing, was that uh, what was wrong with most healing modalities uh, or therapies was the focus on what's wrong. Mm. And... uh, Mm. The significance of that is that there, he noticed combining complexity science uh, with uh, what he'd already known about um, psychology and the nervous system and all the other stuff he'd done um, was that we have this addiction to what's wrong. Hmm. So on a systemic level, um, our nervous system is attracted to what's wrong. And it, there might be a predominance of fight, flight, or freeze mm. in the system because of that, um, depending on what phase the nervous system's in. Mm. I'm aware that I'm going into great detail right now, but basically, um, the way that this manifests, this underlying nervous system, what's wrong mm. state, is the what's wrong attention. That's okay. what we call it in, in, in OI, in organic intelligence. And it's basically what it says on the tin, which mm. is uh, that the attention is drawn to what's wrong. Mm-hmm. And that can manifest in various different channels of experience that we work with in organic intelligence. So, like you might find yourself, um, like so for for the people listening out there, you might find yourself um, being attracted to uh, like racing thoughts, mm-hmm. uh, thought thoughts of doom, thoughts of like I'm not going to do well, or images of how things might go wrong or how they have went wrong, mm-hmm. or uh, or random images that, mm-hmm. are, that are there's something wrong. Um, Sensations in the body, mm. um, feelings of sort of anxiety or discomfort, mm-hmm. um, tension, noticing only ten- tension, noticing also, also tension. Yeah, mm. so the attention is literally drawn to mm. that, um, or emotion as well. Mm. And then also we have the external environment. So you may be drawn to what's wrong in the external environment, which mm. includes people mm. as well, like mm. seeing danger where there is no danger. So the the first thing is is it's not the person's fault that mm. they're drawn to what's wrong. It's an underlying nervous system state. Um, uh, the good news is that the biology is constantly sending signals mm. to us um, that things are actually all right. Mm. That organising signals that would take the system out of that um, sort of predominance of fight, flight or freeze, that what's wrongness. Um so these signals are getting sent through. Um, all, I mean, the, the hope is that we can, through sessions, uh, reflect back where these uh, signals are coming through mm. so that the attention then gets drawn towards the things that are more organising. Mm. So that's what you would do as an OI coach. You would help bring someone's awareness to the, the, the signals that are popping up in their system yep. that are helping them organize. Mm-hmm. And can you, what do you mean by the signals? Like, what, what do you notice? So uh, sig- these signals, uh, that's the good news, by the way, that no matter, and, and what doesn't matter what 
uh, state of chaos a system's in, mm. these signals will come through. Chaos theory, there are there are graphs that show you that that through chaos, uh, um, sort of. Um, uh, almost randomly but also predictably mm. bands of coherence will happen in chaos mm. um, and within a session that will that will come up through various different channels of experience mm. so uh, in organic intelligence we work with the ISOMA channels mm. I-S-O-M-A um, I stands for image so the image channel uh, S is sensation sensations in the body O is orientation, which we'll probably delve into quite a bit in this uh, podcast, mm. uh, which is our connection to the environment through the senses, mm. uh, what we see, what we hear, what we smell, what we taste, what we feel through the tactile sense. Uh, meaning, the meaning channel, so the mind, uh, and uh, thoughts. And affect, which is emotions. Mm. So any one of, in any one of those channels... Um, the organising information can come through, uh, through this free association conversation that we have. Uh, and I sort of, if you want to call it a pure OI session, we're just doing, just like we're doing right now, mm-hmm. like having a, a free association conversation. And I would reflect back in various different ways, depending on what state the nervous system's in, what phase it's in. Uh, I will re- reflect back the organising features so that those bands of coherence, those mm-hmm. bands of um, organisation, those bands of... Um, helpfulness mm. for growth and for um, organisation uh, grow mm. and become more often and uh, that the person begins to notice it themselves mm. and then that the system begins to uh, oscillate in the way it was supposed to oscillate mm. and that manifests in being present in the here and now mm. resilient um, and uh, you know able to live your life mm. you know in, a, in, a, mm. in a, that full vibrant present way and these signals can be really simple and subtle, can't they? I mm-hmm. mean, it can be things like just noticing that maybe somebody is touching their t- touching a like right now I'm I, I'm touching my thumb to my pointer fingerprint, and it yeah. could be something just literally that simple. Yep. Of uh, there's some sensation that my nervous system is trying to send up that's organizing to me. There's something comforting about that, yep. and that you as my OI coach might draw my awareness to mm-hmm. that happening, yeah. so that I can actually notice it, feel that sensation, feel the support of that sensation, sure. which is is directing my attention in, in a certain way rather than towards maybe what what's wrong in this moment is that yeah yeah, okay. yeah that's that's yeah. that's right on the money um steve uh often talks about that it's often at, at our fingertips mm. literally um the the there can be like a you know just like you say like you're rubbing your fingertips so mm. there's a little tap in or mm. um it could also manifest in uh you know playing with your hair mm. or like my, one of mine is this sort of like i've got uh-huh. a little bit of my beard just underneath my lip and i'll often just play with that and i'll just notice how that feels like as i'm doing mm. it like in the actual location itself so firstly like uh in the particular location and then how that might benefit the whole body mm. um as a whole so like as i'm just noticing that i'm like just feeling the sort of tickle on my finger and I'm feeling that sort of massage in the hair and just below my lip. But then there's also like a sort of like relaxation lower in the belly. Mm. Like, a, you know, like a sort of deeper breath and all that kind of stuff. So the, the system sort of benefited as a whole. And that's that's one way that you can stabilise mm. um, this 
uh, pleasure mm-hmm. uh, in the system. So it's it's inherently not what's wrong. Um, and yeah. it's something so simple and accessible also, isn't it? So yeah. it's not like you suddenly have to find ecstasy somehow. Right, but it, yes. But it, it can be just really, really simple mm-hmm. uh, and yet deeply pleasing. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, that's so good. So th- this probably brings us on to... Um, actually, I'll say this first, that mm-hmm. the pleasures that we're drawing people to... Mm-hmm. Um, are pleasures that are simple, mm. uh, non-intense, non-intoxin related, mm. uh, simple pleasures. Mm. Um, and those are the ones that are particularly going to help the system uh, organise in a way that's helpful. Okay. Um, but there, so we're not talking hedonism. We're not talking hedonism, right? I mean, the odd hedonism, you know, like, <laughs> no shame, no blame, right? <laughs> Sometimes any port in a store, right? Yeah. Um, and there are, there are occasions for that. There yeah. actually are occasions for, uh, for any port in a storm if we're, we're really having a hard time. But mm. um, uh, really what we're going for are the simple here and now uh, mm. pleasures that we often miss, like mm. you say, like, you know, it could also be in the body language, by the way, just like you sitting with your legs crossed there. Mm-hmm. There's, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming, but there's probably some sort of like pleasure there. If you just send your attention there, yeah. there might be some sort of pleasure. Why don't you tell the studio audience about it? Yeah. All right. I will. <laughs> well, I, and it's funny cause I actually just adjusted to sitting like this. So Craig is noticing that I'm sitting with one of my legs crossed so that my ankle area is touching the other leg. And, yeah, it makes me feel a little wider, which is nice. I had my legs crossed completely before, so I adjusted to this, and now I'm feeling a bit more width, and I'm feeling the weight of my leg against my other leg, and my hips are feeling really released and you know and what what's it what's what i noticed with you when you were describing your experience and i feel like i'm i'm doing the same is that um you can really get quite detailed about the the simple pleasure that you're feeling it doesn't necessarily start that way though does it for mm-hmm. for for a lot of you know we've been doing work like this for a while yeah. for some people at first there's just no feeling of the leg or there's no right. so so you know when you're hearing this it doesn't have to feel like oh god i never go into that level of detail i don't yeah. have no, i don't have that level of awareness it that's something that you can cultivate over time and that's mm-hmm. what's really beautiful about the organic intelligence work is that yeah it cultivates your attention in that direction mm-hmm. and you can get more and more detailed about the the pleasurable aspects of, of your experience. Wow. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So, well, tell us then, why is that useful mm. in your communication coaching? Like, how does it come up when you're coaching and... and why might it be useful for somebody to kind of see the world through this lens? I don't know, is that the right way of putting yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, firstly, I, I, wanted to say, I wanted to say something. When you were describing like what was happening in your body there about that, the weightedness, Yeah. I then got an experience of like my shoulders being a, being a bit more weighted as well. And I was like, oh, wow. So your experience like allowed me to experience the pleasure of relaxation nice. in my shoulders. And then there was a whole kind of more relaxation in my body. I could just lie down on your couch right now. <laughs> but like that, that one, that's that one principle that just sort of came up organically there um, was uh, um, 
the sympathetic pleasure that we have yeah that uh, comes from a connection a, a connection between humans that when uh, we are together and connected the ventral vagal part of the brain engages mm. um, now what's this, that what's the ventral vagal part of the brain it's the social engagement part of the brain okay now there was a some point in our evolution as humans mm. um, it became uh, see the, the 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 biology is uh, is nifty in terms of uh, survival that it takes on different things that helps it survive so mm. um at one point along the line for humans we realized that we were better together mm. um and that we were stronger within communities and groups and all that kind of stuff so when uh, when we connect um mm. uh, and this ventral vagal part of the brain is on the, the currency of that the sort of the um uh the thing that comes out of that's pleasure. Mm. So we, we we experience pleasure when we connect with other human beings when this ventral vagal system is on. When everything's mm. running well, okay. right? The ventral vagal system is like it's on. And, and it's a different system than fight, flight, freeze. Different, different sy- parts of the brain. Different parts of the brain. There's crossovers yeah. with it. Yeah, I mean, we can get to that in a second. But yeah, let's say a different part of the brain. And um uh so the, the, that was an experience of that of like sort mm. of sympathetic pleasure or sympathetic joy, sympathetic relaxation that mm. came from what you were saying because of the this ventral vagal connection. Mm. Like we've known each other for a while. Like this isn't me walking into a podcast. I don't know who's who I'm talking to. And oh, they're going to judge me. Um, <laughs> oh, don't but, worry, you're yeah. being judged. <laughs> <laughs> Again, email me with your judgments. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So uh, yeah, I, I got off topic there about your 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 question, but I thought that was a really important. No, I thing think that's useful because the ventral vagal will be yeah. uh, important to uh, to talk about what we're about to talk about. Um, so in terms of, I'm tempted to. Yeah, I'm tempted to say just one more thing about mm-hmm. about organic intelligence as the little the the preface. Forgive me if I'm going on about this a bit, but um. One thing about complex systems is that you can't really predict what is going to happen if you change one little bit. Right? Okay. If you change one little thing, there's there's no real like uh, a plus b equals c in terms of our systems, right? Um, so you don't know if you're going to if you're going to go for if you're going to go for a walk in the park that it's definitely going to make you feel better or make you organized or whatever. You know, you, mm. you, you, we don't know, right? But what we can do is we can set up the initial conditions mm. in a way that allows the system to find organisation by itself. So, okay. for the, so for these signals that we were talking about earlier, these signals of organisation, the rubbing of the fingers, all mm. that kind of stuff, um, will begin to come through more and be realised more um, when we set up these initial conditions. And these initial conditions in organic intelligence terms are... Uh, Initial condition number one mm-hmm. is orientation, okay. which is one of our channels. And orientation is a connection to the environment through the senses. Mm-hmm. So into the here and now, into the, the actual, like, this is how we uh, connect to our environment, basically, is through, mm-hmm. the, through the senses. Uh, so what we see, what we hear, yep. what we feel, what Tactile we smell, sense, what we taste. Smell, okay. taste, yep. Yeah. Um, 
second condition is orientation to pleasure. Mm-hmm. So that is the, the attentional capacity to be able to go uh, have the attention recognise pleasure and mm-hmm. reside with pleasure. And then uh, three is stabilising that pleasure. Mm. We call it stabilising blue. We might get into red or blue at some point at this on this conversation, but that might be a deeper conversation. But so uh, orientation, orientation to pleasure, and stabilising that that pleasure, those organising signals in the um, in the system. Uh, so yeah, so setting those up, uh, those initial conditions up. You can actually there are practices that you can do. Um, attentional practice we call them strategic uses of perception um, that you can um, trend the attention more towards the environment that you're in through mm-hmm. the senses um, with as little effort as you possibly can um, and trend the attention towards pleasure mm-hmm. which is another another practice uh, related to orientation as well yeah so rather than noticing what's wrong you just redirect your attention to what is or what you like about what is. Love it. Is that okay? Love it, yeah. yes. So, uh, uh, and the third one is stabilising blue, which is um, uh, various different ways of sort of, I call it banking the blue, mm. so banking the pleasure in the nervous system. So there are ways that you can uh, kind of teach the system through your various different isoma channels to uh, begin to recognise what that pleasure is, that organising signal is. Mm. Um, I love what you were saying, that, that that segues into, and then I think we can get on to like the specific applications. Um, <laughs> so like you've got your, you've got your what's wrong attention on, uh, and you know, the mind is racing, uh, or your the, the images of doom like things are going to go terribly and oh I'm anxious and all that stuff mm. so f- for uh, in the first instance uh, what can be useful is something called benign neglect mm. uh, which is an acknowledgement that you're having that experience tipping your hat to whatever that thought or thoughts might be tip the hat to that and then we're going to redirect the attention into what is like, mm. like you said um, and what is the definition of what is in organic intelligence terms is the uh, uh, the orientation. So uh, we're feeding the brain stem, the, uh, the amygdala, with signals of that we're safe. Because mm. most of the time, luckily, in the Western world certainly, um, we are in a safe environment. Yeah. Like we're sitting in a we're sitting in a living room right now. Yeah. If I was, you know, like feeling anxious and sweating and oh no am I going to do really bad in the podcast and all that kind of stuff which happens for many people and happens mm-hmm. to me mm-hmm. um, it's very normal it's, to- it? it's totally normal yeah. like this is this is this happens to most people mm-hmm. in varying different degrees so you know most people can get quite a lot out of this mm-hmm. so what I'm going to do if I do get one of those thoughts of oh no like I- I'm not going to know what to say mm-hmm. I'm going to benign neglect that so I'll just tip the hat oh hiya there you are mm. and then I'm just going to bring my attention back to you mm. you're in the environment right mm. or I'll just allow my eyes to wander where they want to wander around the room with as little effort as possible and I'm going to notice your amazing sort of palm tree thing <laughs> like the isn't it pink amazing leaves. well yeah right <laughs> yeah it does have it does have some pinkness, pinkness to the leaves yeah 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 so like here we ha- here we have a, a perfect example of orientation and then orientation to pleasure organically comes up. So I'm like, oh my god, I'm like, 
and they go, oh yeah, I see the tree, and oh wow, there's like some pink in the tree, and I'm like, wow, so curiosity comes. Curiosity is a pleasurable state. Yeah. And thank you, trained attention, kind of automatically then went to this feeling that in my stomach of like, ooh, like, oh, that's, that's sort of pink, that's, that's different, that's like, all right. So I was sort of enjoying uh, the visual of it I was enjoying the feeling it was giving me there's a sort of smile on my face mm-hmm. and then you began to join in with me yeah. a good organic intelligence coach future organic, organic intelligence coach Christine Morton one day <laughs> you joined me you yeah. co-joined me in the pleasure and that that is pleasure squared when you share it with somebody else uh, you uh, it increases the pleasure and it's just back and forward back and forward yeah again that ventral vagal thing that happens um so orientation, orientation to pleasure happened there. Um, and you can, there are ways you can work, like stabilising the blue, like we stabilised the blue before. So uh, when, you know, you're rubbing your legs or you're uh, stroking your hair or you're rubbing your fingers together or you're folding your arms, whatever, whatever's comfortable in your experience, you notice it. Number one, you notice it. Uh, two, don't fuss with it. Just let it do its thing, whatever it's doing. Uh, three, Feel it locally. Mm. And four, enjoy it globally. Mm. And feel it locally means where in the body you feel it specifically. Yeah. yeah. And then globally means can it spread? Yeah. 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 Okay, interesting. Yeah, so it's like yeah. how, like, so like your folded arms, it's like yeah. uh, feeling it locally would be, you know, where do you feel... Just you funny, know that? I didn't have my arms folded, but you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's and all of a sudden did, right? Arms. Yeah, right. <laughs> And, and that's, the, that's the thing, like, the, we don't really need to do this whole thing of, like, uh, building rapport and all that stuff by mirroring what someone else does consciously. Because it just happens. It actually happens. When the ventral vagal system happens. I've, had, I've actually had people mm-hmm. say to me before, are you copying what I'm doing? And I'm like, I, I just had no idea that I was doing it. Like, yeah. that we just, sim- we just sympathetically begin to sort of copy each other. You know, just like, just like kids. Yeah. Just so like we don't actually have to work that hard. As in, because there is some communication coaching out there that would say, watch other people's body language and mimic it to try mm-hmm. to get their trust. Sure. But yeah. what you're saying is actually when we're just focusing on, you know, oriented connection, yeah. that body language and trust and mirroring sort of happens organically. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that's, that's what I found. And that's, yeah. it, it kind of makes sense in the, in the biology. Mm. And, and there's a sort of authenticity that comes with that. That's, yeah. that's not, um, I'm not putting something on to try to get your trust. No, yeah. no, it's, it's just coming out of a, a sort of, a, I always say sincere connection, but sincere almost seems a little bit more that you're willing it. Like it's mm. like just, a, it's just happening. It's just happening. It's organic, if you will. It's organic. It's an organic intelligence. It's organically intelligent. Well branded. Yeah, yes, I know, right? <laughs> well, it wasn't me that branded it, of course. But, um, so, yeah, I had something else I wanted to say in that, but it's totally escaped me. We were talking about banking the blue. Yeah. Um, I love this. Yeah, so like let's say uh, let's let's talk about like how this might affect like how this might manifest because we're we've just started yeah. talking about like the uh, this whole mirroring um thing. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Huh? I knew it would come back. Uh as we think that we need to, to do a lot more effort mm. um than we perhaps have to. Mm. Um like I said at the beginning, the good news is that your biology, your system is sending these organising signals. It wants to grow. Mm. It wants to evolve. Um, it wants to connect. 
um, if only we can sort of get out of that addiction to what's wrong. And the way that we do that is through building those uh, initial conditions mm. of orientation, orientation to pleasure and stabilising blue. And we can actually act on that. We can mm. do things. Um, and then once that sort of becomes habitual, if you like, the system then just starts to do it by itself. Mm-hmm. Oscillate by itself. Um, but it's not some elusive thing. Like just, just like, like we're all doing it. You'll, you'll, if you're listening to this podcast just now, um, you'll begin to notice these things. You'll begin to notice these organising things that feel good in the body, that uh, have a, an overall benefit to the system. Oh, God, that relaxes my whole body, having my hands clasped there. Um, so, yeah, you're probably out there, you're probably already thinking that, uh, or you may already be thinking about, oh, yeah, this. I can see how this might help in my communications or in my acting or whatever it is. Um, but, yeah, maybe we should talk about what, what, what that might look like we talked about like the um that mirroring thing but yeah let's talk about that what that might look like so because yeah i think you're right there there are some obvious connections just in how you've described it of mm-hmm. well to have more orientation online mm-hmm. is going to build more curiosity Rather than directing our attention towards, oh, am I going to fuck this up? Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> Are we allowed to swear? Well, we're voice teachers. Yeah. We can't. We, we can't really be judgmental <laughs> of our words. Surely, I'm always like, like when my nephews like swear as they invariably do. One's ten, one's seven, um, and they they love like pushing the boundaries. I can't, I can't, I can't you get angry. I'm a voice teacher, you know. Use your, your voice. Use your voice. Like, it's use lying, it. use it. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I swear all the time when I'm teaching. So yeah. I'll swear now. Um, yes. Is this well, your first podcast where you've sworn? I don't know. Is it? <gasps> Listeners, oh, is it? Is it? Let me know if it's not. What was I even swearing about? It's, oh, am I going to fuck it up? That, yes. That's a common fear that yep. we have either as actors or just as, as public speakers or as communicators mm-hmm. in general. Yep. Um, and that, what, if we frame, put that in a frame, that would be the what's wrong attention. Mm-hmm. Not just that, but how is this going to be received? And the sort of right. general uh, apprehension around, is it going to be received badly? Mm-hmm. Uh, would you also call that the kind of what's wrong attention? Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the hallmark of it is of it, like it, it begins to... Um, go one to the next to the next to the next to the next okay um, but actually more the hallmark is if it's got nothing to do with your surroundings which invariably it doesn't right because those things aren't actually happening in the here and now those are thoughts that are taking us somewhere else right so this we can probably already sense of well okay if I'm going to bring my myself back into what's happening in the here and now and that yeah. brings in curiosity yeah and that's a completely different approach to the communication process absolutely because yes. then i can actually see who's in front of me yeah and engage with them and mm. connect with them right and so so what what if you just like how would you work with somebody in this way maybe mm. maybe that is that something that'd be interesting to talk about at this stage that might be interesting and um because, like, you know, in all those scenarios you're talking about, like actors or uh, or mm. communicators or public speakers, like, or just in life, like having conversations, like, um, if your system's in this fight, flight, or freeze response, mm. the amygdala is misfiring, right? Mm. Or you're in a safe environment, there's no tiger there, but your system's actually um, 
uh, reacting as if there's danger. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the amygdala is misfiring. There's a disconnect between the system and its environment. Mm. So that'll manifest in, you know, you're standing up to do your presentation, mm. your palms are sweaty, you've got dry mouth, um, the thoughts might be coming in that you are, uh, you're not going to do well, there might be an image of, you know, I hate to plant this in your head, but everyone laughing or, yeah. you know, whatever yeah. it is. Like, I mean, everybody's yeah. got their own personal, yeah. like, experiences of that, that, but in my experience, the, the biology um, and the mind and all that stuff... Um, has no end of examples mm-hmm. when we're in the what's wrong with attention. Mm-hmm. To send, but it's really the underlying state. It doesn't matter what the content is. Mm-hmm. The underlying states in this fight, flight, or freeze uh, response. So, but could you imagine, rather than being up there in that fight, flight, or freeze response, that you were in the ventral vagal, this curiosity kind of state, mm-hmm. um, where you are connected to your environment, the safe environment, you're connected to the people that are in the, vi- the, the environment because orientation, by the way, this connection to the environment through the senses is a priming for the ventral vagal system. Mm. Uh, so it's the difference between going up there and seeing your enemies and going up in the same room and seeing all your pals. Right. Seeing all your friends there. Yeah. Um, or at least... Even if you... Even if you... Uh, I don't mean to interrupt. Sure. But I, I, I just thought it might be useful to say it. That even if you you know consciously they're not your enemies, because fight, flight, freeze is not a... Con, it's not a cognitive thing, is it? It's, a, it's an instinctual thing. Right. So you might know, oh, these are just my colleagues, or this is just an audience who has mm-hmm. come here to watch this play on right. a cognitive level. But that doesn't mean that on a on an um, instinctive level, your biology is responding that way. Right. Okay. So, so true. The, the, there are places for using the mind in terms of positive thinking. Like, you mm-hmm. can actually use the cognition to think positively. There's mm-hmm. there's a loads of, like, great work out there that does that. The problem with that, we, we, we would call that those phase two tools where mm-hmm. um, you, you're doing something and it's shifting your state. Mm-hmm. But your state only tends to be in that state as long as you can maintain your attention there. Yeah. What we are trying, what we, uh, what we at Organic Intelligence, <laughs> are uh, are kind of more aiming for as a systemic change, is the the, the underlying biology, uh, then begins to do that by itself. So, mm. um, the the biology is doing the heavy lifting rather than you've got to think positive thoughts before you go up there. You're just going up there and doing your jam. Mm. You know, and you're just oriented to your surroundings. Mm. Um. So yeah, so that would be uh, like uh, the first thing for just everybody, whether you're a communicator, whether you're loving your life, whether you're a speaker, whether you're an actor, mm. is to get connected to the environment through the senses mm. um, and feeding your brainstem with the reality of here and now. Mm. Um, I often talk about it as allowing your eyes to wander around the room mm. with as little effort as you can and letting your eyes go where it is they want to go. And that that feeds the brainstem with the information, I'm safe, I'm safe, I'm safe. Mm. And then if a tiger does walk into the room and you go into fight, fight, flight or freeze, great. Yeah, you should. Because that's, <laughs> that's going to save your life, right? <laughs> Whereas if you're getting up there to do your presentation mm. or play Hamlet mm. or, you know, have a conversation with your partner or your friend that's difficult... Um, or even just socially engaged so loads of people have uh, uh, social anxiety as well that mm. come to me um, all of those things mm. will be helped with continually that practice 
of getting the attention into the here and now mm. through the environment. Yeah, and people often feedback with, uh, and I don't know if anyone was following along there with uh, the allowing the eyes to wander around the room. Uh, I was. You were, yeah. you were. Um, but often what people feedback is a sense of, like, how are you now? A sense of relaxation, uh, a sense of, you know, the mind calming, um, nice feelings, or just neutrality. Mm. You know, we're not going for anything major here, really. The first port of call is just the neutral environment. We're not even looking for pleasure. We're, mm. just, look, we're just seeing the neutral environment as it is. Mm. And that is enough mm. um, sometimes to just... Uh, take the system out of that sort of fight, flight or freeze response. Mm. And if we practice that on an ongoing basis, then when it comes to the more difficult times, then, um, you know, it can sort of kick in, if you like, more more easily. Mm. Uh, you can also use it just before you go on. You know, mm. you're like, oh, God, right, okay, I'm feeling anxious. We're going to benign neglect the anxiety and we're going to allow the eyes to wander around the room. Mm. Feeding that brainstem with those signals. Also sounds, notice what sounds come to the ear, uh, what you might feel in the tactile sense. And with as least amount of effort as as is necessary. Sometimes Mm. we need more uh, to take us away from the vortex. Mm. Um, But whatever way... It's usually more helpful than going down the rabbit hole and you know having a fight with yourself inside your own mind. Yeah, yeah. So this is really about a way of sort of training yourself through really just going back to what you do naturally, mm-hmm. of becoming just present mm-hmm. in the here and now. Yeah. Uh, so that you can engage mm-hmm. is essentially which which is really just the 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 main point of communication isn't it right. is to engage and connect yeah. with the people around you mm. uh, whether as a character or whether as yourself mm-hmm. so wow that seems hugely useful uh, and also very different from some other types of actor training and communication training out there mm. um, that tends to start well Well, there are two ways that come that I'm just thinking of that are right off the bat that are different uh, and they both relate so the, the first thing that comes to mind is that a lot of communication training or actor training just goes right into well, what's your internal experience mm-hmm. right now sure. um, as opposed and that can include physical sensations so, mm-hmm. so uh, especially as a part of body language training just going right into well, what are you sensing in your, in your body right now mm-hmm. um, and not that that's not useful, but it's just interesting to me that organic intelligence actually starts with taking the attention out first before yeah. coming in. Yep. So I'm, I'm curious to hear anything else you have to say about that and why mm-hmm. that is important. But also the second thing that really comes to mind is that um, it's something you kind of brought up earlier. There's a lot of, especially, well, actually within both actor training and communication coaching, within that sense of becoming aware of your own body, there are a lot of rules about how to use your body. Mm-hmm. So a lot of um, how you should stand and how you should sit and how, uh, in a way of finding more open, authentic communication, yeah. uh, that that sometimes would say things like, well, don't cross your arms and uh, don't rub your face mm-hmm. and don't yeah, do yeah, these yeah, things, yeah. You, you know, uh, because those might come across as insecure. Always be the biggest person. Or to take up the most space in the room. Or, you know, there, there are these little adages, uh, and with actor training as well, of, you know, um, 
you, you of course you have to tell the story of the character's body, uh, but sometimes some of these little things that the signals that your own biology might be sending you get actively discouraged. Mm-hmm. So I'm just curious about your viewpoint on both of those things oh, yes. within an organic intelligence frame. Oh, you're so good at asking questions, right? Oh, thanks. Um, you've just totally sparked loads of curiosity there. Uh, so the first one, um, there are there are a lot of approaches that uh, are introspective, so that the, the, yeah. the attention goes inward, um, or uh, approaches to let's go into the body sensation, let's see what the body's doing. It's all about embodiment and all mm-hmm. that. Um, now, uh, what Steve found out uh, through his many years uh, in a, a, um, working somatically with the body, with the nervous system, was that these isoma channels that we've been talking about, that uh, there is as much likelihood... Uh, sorry, it, the disorganising signals can come in any one of these channels just as much as the uh, the organising signals, mm-hmm. including body sensation. Mm-hmm. So uh, there are models out there that uh, that are sort of catharsis models, if you like, which um, that look for a sort of release in the in the body and mm-hmm. body sensation. Um, which can actually have a place mm. um, and that can actually fit into the organic intelligence model as part of it but um, what that can do just in its own sort of in its own right if you like if, if you're just working with body sensation that uh, like in the therapeutic model for example like um you go in and you talk about your traumas and you, you feel the sensation in the body, you reach a peak and then you get a relaxation and, oh, the body feels great. That might be one way of working with things. <clears throat> but uh, what that does is it ingrains this habit in the nervous system of feeling worse before feeling better. Mm. Feeling worse first before feeling better. And that is the addiction cycle. Mm. So that can exacerbate the problem of being drawn to what's wrong. Right. Right. Um, so, what Steve found, and his his model began to be called in the, the old somatic work he used to he used to teach in somatic experiencing, his model used to get called uh, when he taught there this uh, the stabilization model. I think it was the st- like a stabilizing model, um, and uh, that was through the orientation. So mm-hmm. um, I, I don't know whether it. I don't know at what stage like that came into it or whatever. I don't know the, the lineage completely, but or the time scale on this. But um, this addition of orientation into things, of like having this connection to the environment through the senses, is is the first and probably the most important thing. Mm. Um, as well as a compassionate container for all of this, but um, this orientation, this. Uh, first coming away from what's wrong getting out of that addiction cycle and breaking the cycle um, is the important thing like we're looking for systemic change he was noticing in his therapeutic work that um, sometimes people uh, were getting were getting were having a really great session and then their lives improved and all that stuff with a more sort of cathartic model but some people weren't some mm. people might have had a good experience in the session and then they just fell apart 
mm. uh, maybe uh, days or weeks later. Um, so he began to be interested in what the difference was. Mm. And this is sort of where organic intelligence is, is uh, kind of uh, sort of taking the torch a little bit and... Um, and that is this connection to the environment through the senses. So rather than going introspectively, which, I mean, I don't know if anybody out there has experienced this, probably, you probably have that, you know, when you meditate and you go inside and, you know, you're not you're not doing so great that it can make it far worse. Yeah, I mean, that can happen a lot in a voice class. Lots People voice start class. paying attention to their breathing and mm-hmm. their body and all of a the sudden they feel terrible and are weeping and they don't even necessarily know why. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and and it's um because I mean it's the the meaning channel is one channel so mm. you know it's um it's it's an expression of what the underlying state is, and don't get me wrong like like I said that there are occasions when like you kind of sort of need to go over the hill but as as a as a as a as a rule as a as a practice yeah. as the whole thing, um I don't think that works quite so well like mm. the. Uh, this, st- I mean, literally. I mean, when you really let's take away organic intelligence just for, just for a second, like me and you are sitting here, mm. right? And um, no matter what sort of kind of day I've had or kind of life I'm having or whatever, right in this moment right now, mm. like my feet, I feel my feet in the floor. I'm seeing you. We're having a chat. Mm. There's nothing wrong. Yeah. It, like, and there's there's at, at the moment, you know touch wood mm. there's enough attentional capacity that's sort of automatically going into this orientation um mm. like i'm oriented like it's it's like the orientation practice isn't the end goal here the, mm. the, the, the if there is an end goal it's to be in a state of orientation mm-hmm. so that you are you're just with your environment right mm. like there's no problem right now right mm. um and would you say that can even help you that state of orientation with handling experiences that maybe are more intense. Yeah, right. So even as, uh, whether it's um, as a character or as yourself in a communication act, yeah. if you're having an intense response to the the experience that you're having as you're trying to communicate, yep. if you stay oriented, there's a way of sort of being with that experience mm-hmm. that doesn't shut you down. Absolutely, okay. absolutely. Um, there are two things about that. One is that in whatever environment you're in, orientation will probably help somewhat. Mm. The other aspect to that is, you know, limit yourself to toxic environments. Mm. You know, at least in the at least in the beginning. Like, if you want to, like, if if you're like a a campaigner or something mm. like that. I mean, or um, or the work that that uh, that you do involves you going in going into intense situations. Like, as much as you can, limit your um, your exposure to unnecessary mm. like intensity in your life because mm. um, like it's easier for me like right now for example to have a conversation with you and just let things flow I'm not thinking about what's going to come next mm. hopefully there's some coherence um, hopefully you're getting something out there mm-hmm. um, but maybe like if if, um, if I was in another environment where some where it was a bit more hostile like you know the person that I was with was a bit more hostile maybe it'd be a bit more difficult for me mm. or maybe I've maybe my system's in a place where that I, I'm not quite reacting so much to mm. that because I know that there's actually no real danger here mm-hmm. so I can communicate so you, so a few things there one is that you can work with conflict mm. absolutely Um Two, there are there are sometimes you need to retreat away from the conflict, you know, mm. just to build resilience. 
um, um, and limit certainly unnecessary conflict like get rid of that like yeah. get rid of that as much as you can in your entire life as is possible um, of course we have commitments in our relationships and our work and all, mm. all that kind of stuff and sometimes that isn't possible but there are always there's always something that we can do mm. um, and orientation is your, your kind of basic exercise to begin that mm. so like before you're going in for the big meeting or uh, before you're going for the audition mm. or the conversation like orientation is is key as mm. is, is a key thing that might actually help you then go in there and be able to see the person mm. who's in front of you mm. you know yeah and it's been really interesting because I've been playing a lot with orientation in my teaching even mm. as we are diving in more deeply to what's happening in the body mm-hmm. so that I'm asking students to stay oriented as they do it yeah and the feedback is generally that they're actually more in tune with what's happening in their body when yeah. they're oriented yeah. or that it's it's they're 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 noticing is happening with more ease yeah. when they're oriented right. than when they're taking the focus entirely internal mm. which is just so interesting isn't it Cause, that's fantastic yeah yeah like that that, that sense of ease like mm. the sense of ease doesn't tend to go with the what's wrong attention yeah <laughs> right so um yeah, you're right. So if you're exploring the body, it's not like, oh, we're just going to delete the body experience. Yeah. But it's like, a, it's the reflection of the the environment that we're in, in the body. Yeah. And that the orientation allows you to, if there's an experience in the body that is intense, help you on a biological level yeah. also know that you, you're you safe. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're safe to explore yeah. that to whatever degree feels okay to you. Yeah. Yeah, really interesting. Mm. And then what about this other thing? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It, I've got a bee in my bonnet about this. Um, I, yeah, that's what I want to hear about. Yeah, because I do corporate training and, and any time that, uh, <clears throat> that I'm working with groups or, or one-to-ones or whatever, um, most people have... Uh, the classic is, oh, but if you fold your arms like mm. you're defensive, mm-hmm. I made your eye roll. Um, so... Here is here's the here is the truth here. Mm. Since we're like in school or how we've been brought up, you know, you're in the classroom and the teacher is saying, "Stop fidgeting, sit up straight, uh, don't do that, don't uh, rub your nose." <laughs> <laughs> I'm rubbing my nose right now. <laughs> <laughs> don't you rub your nose? And these are all things, or these can all be things. Um, you know, sometimes you just got an itchy leg, whatever. Mm. But, uh, but like these are the things that that keep. Us, they're not only self-soothing, right? Because there are a lot of therapeutic approaches in that that say, "Oh, this is a self-soothing thing." It totally is. Mm. But it's actually deeper than that. These are organising for the actual system below, mm. for growth, for change, mm. for evolution. So, uh, don't fold your arms. All that stuff. That is called oppression. Mm. That is uh, denying the system its organising features in which it can grow, it can evolve. Of course, I hope I don't get in trouble for this, but the, I don't know who's listening, the Prime Minister perhaps. Uh, I will be calling him and telling <laughs> him about it. <laughs> the, the system, this, the kind of system that we're in, as mm. in the, you know, the society system, doesn't want us to grow and change and evolve because mm. it, it will... Uh, challenge the status quo mm. so right from a basic level and this isn't I mean th- 
like no shade on the teachers by the way because they they, they think they're doing a good thing they think yeah. oh no they're they're uh, raising children to uh, to be good people in society and all it's all probably very well intentioned mm. but really this systemic thing underneath it all is to oppress mm. um and not to have you know a, a, this this growth and the sort of individual and collective biology mm. so the so antidote to that if you like is just doing the opposite so like this so like when you're folding your arms when somebody's folding my, folding their arms when they're doing their presentation rather than me going what are you folding your arms for put your arms down mm-hmm. stand strong do this mm-hmm. do that first of all it's like um, well, I might just depend, this depends on what state they're in by the mm-hmm. way but like I might I may depending on what their state is go eh uh, folding your arms like that that looks comfortable is that how does that feel in your body does that feel good mm. yeah yeah that feels quite good great so let's feel it locally mm. or let's notice it let's not fuss with it mm. let's feel it locally and let's enjoy it globally and now do your speech mm. because that's like uh, and that would maybe be a way you would you would work it in the room basically but um, this which is means that could thing. maybe even shift yeah, the folding of the arms, but right. at least they've gotten the organizing information yes. from it, yes. and then are shifting into something else because that's what feels like the right next thing to do. Right. Yes. Okay. Because, like you know, with the same token, telling somebody then to fold their arms that might be yeah. the oppressive thing. Right. You know, the, the the important thing is what is coming up from their system. I, the good thing about the organic intelligence work and being an organic intelligence coach is that, that I didn't have to work very hard. Mm-hmm. All I'm doing mm. is watching what the bio- the signals their biology is sending me and reflecting those back in a way that's organising for them. Yeah. And that could be their arms being folded. Mm. That could be, um, you know, having a little sway back and forward and all that kind of stuff. Now, <clears throat> that's it. That's one thing. And then you're right. Like, uh, I think there's like there's a conducive thing in terms of freeing up the body to, like, like getting this whole uh, this thing to get them to like notice what feels good and all that kind of stuff and these signals that are being sent through in the body and all that um, and then from there like the body begins to become freer mm. and more expressive and alright you know like that feels good oh wow so we're looking this is a positive reinforcement mm. model mm. And I can't believe I've not said that until now but this is a positive reinforcement you have framework. just not in so many words not in so many words yeah. so the negative reinforcement is what I said earlier about feeling worse first before feeling better that mm. is negative reinforcement mm. negative reinforcement doesn't work mm. negative reinforcement will cultivate more negativity mm. don't stand like that your arms look silly like that like mm. you don't look strong you look that any good sort of corporate training and all that even will have some sort of positive mm. spin on things. Mm. Um, but we're sort of taking it, you know, nervous system level. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we're taking it to the biology. Um, so that the, the the change can be systemic and it's mm. it's more of a, you know, um, effortless thing. That's, yeah. that's, that's what we're really kind of trending towards is the yeah. effortlessness. So the awareness of the of the body and the body language can be really about finding these supports and enjoying them. Mm-hmm. And within that, you can find more grounding and more ease. Yes. As opposed oh. to there's a there's a way to stand and there's mm-hmm. a way to... I mean, this is interesting because um, there are things that, you know, I'm thinking particularly... 
of um, I work with actors a lot and I do notice that there's a lot of every time they go to speak a text like putting their hands in their pockets Mm -hmm. so there is a certain amount of what how do you make somebody aware of that without negatively saying reinforce not without negative reinforcement of get your hands out of your pockets mm-hmm. but also that actors and and public speakers do tend to have some habits that they do that they might not be aware that they are doing mm-hmm. that might not be serving the story that they're telling yeah. let's put it that way yep. so I have been experimenting since starting with OI with working in a different way with that, which is that I get them to notice that their hands that are in their pockets and what feels good about their hands being in their pockets. Yeah. And um, that then I say maybe there's a moment where you, you transition from that enjoyment of the hands in the pockets to the arms being free and available. Mm-hmm. Is that like a way you would recommend kind of working in that direction so that they can notice without the shame around, oh, my hands are in my pockets again. But actually, the, yeah. my hands are in my pockets because I that's organizing for me right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And that maybe if I enjoy that organization, then, I, then maybe they'll want to come out. Yeah. Yep. and be more expressive but that expression is coming from a from a place of okay I'm ready to do that now mm-hmm. as opposed to oh I've just got to take my hands out of my pockets yeah, yeah. so is that how you'd recommend kind of working I've uh, I, I have a real curiosity about this particularly with actors and like character work you know yeah. whatever you want an inverted commas there um like how how do you like create the illusion for the audience because mm-hmm. really you're telling a story how do you behave in a way that is conducive to the story that's, you know, not just, well, I need to feel good all the time. Like, there's there's a, a bigger purpose there. There's a story to be told. Um, yes, yeah, so uh, I think one of the difficulties here is time. Yeah. Um, and that is like, uh, you know, if you're in a three-week rehearsal, mm-hmm. y- you've, you've not got a lot of time, you know what I mean? Whereas if you're in actor training, yeah. there's a little bit more scope and uh, for me, I mean, this is this is why I don't, you know, work in a. Uh, this was the reason that I chose not to work in a, um, an establishment that would have to like tick boxes and all that kind of stuff. Uh, as I, I feel like I have to, like, stay, almost sometimes detrimentally uh, true to just what's happening in front of me right now, um, and that if that's what the actor needs in that moment it's like to like because maybe one actor who's up there it depends on what phase they're in and mm. their nervous system phase one phase two or phase three phase one is chaos phase two is uh complexity phase three is coherence mm. um oh god there's there's new names for it now isn't that can you remember what the new names are <laughs> for phase two and phase three are there phase two oh yeah so uh phase one uh chaos phase two resilience phase three prosilience uh, I'll not talk about that because that's another rabbit hole. That's right. So anyway, so we've got we've got an actor in front of us. Depending on uh, how organised their system is, mm. I'll work with that. So um, if uh, if somebody is if somebody's in phase one, you 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 probably wouldn't even point out the body mm. language. Mm-hmm. You know, you you wait, and in, in that sense, you wait for the sparkle to come in them. You wait for some sort of pleasurable thing to come up and as much as you can you get by the guards of 
uh, cognition because mm. uh, if you if they think you're messing with their system at all if, if you're doing anything that's like convoluted in any way shape or form mm. um which often it's not it's just mm. a, a, a sort of genuine genuine reflection but um the guard will come up mm-hmm. so it's, it's more you know like uh, okay so what was that experience like well, you know, like, I, I felt really tight and, like, uh, I, I messed up my lines and I forgot this and, and um, the direction was bad and, and then, um, but, uh, uh, yeah, then, like, I, I sort of, there was a moment where, like, I, I lifted up the glass and I was looking at the glass and I was really sort of lost in the glass and, it, like, and then I sort of thought, wow, that was a good moment. And you go, all right, tell me more about that moment. Mm. You know, and then you intervene as soon as the sort of, uh, the pleasurable thing comes up. Mm. Uh, that might be one way mm-hmm. that you could work in as, a, as a director or a teacher. Phase two, if uh, if you're wanting to, if they're heading into more sort of a phase two thing and they're, 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 they, they've got attentional capacity to move their attention away from the what's wrong attention, um, you can maybe start to work with, you know, the... Uh, the arms being folded how does that feel in the body oh, it feels good it's like mm. oh yeah right okay and see where that leads into uh, like over a period of time mm. in terms of their freedom in their body as an actor mm. and what you might find is that their their palate then becomes like their kind of painter's palate becomes more mm. like they find pleasure in like more movements in that like a, and as a, as I kind of gesticulate like a stereotypical Shakespeare actor here right, right here right now mm-hmm. um like I enjoy it, you know, but there may have been a, a probably a period in my life, maybe when I was a teenager, and maybe even in other circumstances in life where I don't feel like I can fully express in my body like that quite yeah. yet. Um, but I certainly have more access to my to movement of my body, like, and the the key here is. Uh, making the movement and does it feel good what is the feedback mm. into your system does it feel good to move this way does it feel good to move that or oh, not that mm. way oh, what about this way yes right um, and then maybe into phase three it just becomes more of a you know an, uh, more of a, uh, a natural thing but then of course there is I've got another curiosity about like specific things you can do like for example you put your hands in your pockets how's that feel that feels good um I wonder what else might feel good that might uh, that might be conducive to the character. Yeah. And allowing it to be part of their creative process. So they can actually find it for themselves. They can find it in their own body. Mm. Um, and that might involve a, a little a, amount of effort. Mm. Um, and that's a way you could work with yourself as well. If you're noticing mm. things that you're doing that might be organising, but that you might realise as the performer... Mm-hmm. No, this isn't the story. This, this is, isn't the right, right story. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well then, okay, let's enjoy this for a moment, but then what would feel good to do next? Yeah. Okay. You're like making it about their curiosity, their mm. like uh, creative process. Uh, also yours, like, I mean, it's a collaboration yes. thing, but like not, certainly not excluding them from the process that, like, yeah. that happens, that can happen a lot. There's also, there's a, I think there's a, I think it's a Michael Chekhov sort of exercise thing and I don't know anything about Michael Chekhov but there's this one thing that actually uh, my I used to teach the Meisner technique and my mm. um, uh, my acting coach who actually worked with Meisner Tom Radcliffe who's a fabulous teacher and um, he he 
I saw him once use a Michael Chekhov exercise, I think it was, and that was that when an impulse comes to move, to put the hands in the pockets or to move the hands in this way, that's not quite conducive to the character of that, that sort of impulse, that you feel the impulse to do that and then you turn it into something else. Mm. So you don't deny it, you don't repress no. it, you let it shift. You let it shift. And there's a sort of organic sort of process that that can happen there. And I think the more you head towards phase three, the body gets looser and all mm. that. Um, the creativity begins to emerge like we do create flow workshops Mm -hmm. establishing these uh, initial conditions then that creative flow begins to come and that you can then it's it's almost like you have it's almost like a choice like Mm -hmm. there could be a choice or it might not even be a choice it might just be like a happening Mm -hmm. that sort of like oh I was going to put my hands in my pockets but oh now I'm going to put my hands through my hair Mm -hmm. you know and then that Mm -hmm. impulse then becomes organic and then does that feel good Mm -hmm. as part of your creative process but in the moment does it actually feel good in the moment to do this sort of new thing and build in your character Mm -hmm. like gesture by gesture bit by bit until you're literally living, breathing, behaving Mm. uh, moving uh, as you know your, your your own experience, mm. but to the audience, the illusion lens. the illusion is like a, a that you're somebody else. Yeah. yeah, and and you could do the same thing even as a public speaker, couldn't you? Mm-hmm. Of if you you don't want to tell the story of your hands in your pockets for whatever reason, yeah, that same sort of similar flow of okay, let the impulse happen, but then where does it lead? Yeah, yeah, it's really That's, fascinating. Yeah. yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, in terms of uh, yeah, because it's like. this is certainly where I struggle it's like well actually do you know what you could do it's like you know uh, maybe I'm not being uh, empathetic enough actually if, if, like I used to be a lawyer actually like in my in my younger days I was I was a criminal criminal defence lawyer <clears throat> and, uh, and I played the part you know I, I did trials like I, I put on the the gown and everything and I stood yeah. up in court and all that kind of stuff so you know, like, there is, like, a thing of... We don't need to take life too seriously. Like, I mean, yeah. if it's that case of, like, we're standing up and we're playing the part of the lawyer or the speaker or whatever and yeah. you enjoy that... Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, if that's, that's helpful, great. that can yeah. be really orienting, yeah. can't yeah. it? This but is my role right now. This is your role right now. And, yeah. and that might be a really enjoyable role. And if that's the case, live your life. God, yes. Um, the other thing is that I want to say is that um, I know so many people who are the most confident public speakers who have their hands in their pockets all the time. Yeah. And, and, and uh, like, find their own expression of mm-hmm. how, how they do it. Because a casting director or a, or a CEO or whatever mm-hmm. will tell you, you need to, like, uh, have a strong stance, you need to have this, that, the mm-hmm. next thing. But the people that they report mm-hmm. back that are like, wow, they're doing really great, are the people that break all the rules and do whatever the hell they like. Mm-hmm. Because they're feeling the most at ease because they're following what's helpful for them. Exactly. And sometimes what's helpful to you can also be, um, uh, can actually also be taking your hands out your pockets as well, by the way. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. (laughs) But that would be be another phase two thing. Like, does, like, having your two feet rooted in the floor, Mm. do you feel a sense of power and does that help you speak publicly? Yes, great, do it. Yeah. Like, there's no, you know, if it helps you. There are many ways in. Yeah. 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 But I do think it's just really interesting to hear that it that it from this perspective that mm. your 
you as the communicator, your instincts can be a part of the process. It's not mm. about any kind of communication training or actor training. It's not about erasing who you are. Yeah. It's about helping you come more to the table, oh, really, and be the, the a connected, honest, mm-hmm. open version of yourself. Yeah. Um, to your point earlier, of it's it's you know we have these states of fight, flight, freeze, and often that's what we communicate from. Mm-hmm. This is about helping us communicate from a place of orientation and curiosity and connection. Yeah, yeah. Really beautiful. Really beautiful, Craig. This has been so wonderful. That's it. I want to say one more thing about that because I feel like I've not said enough about it. And that's just what you were saying there about the connection. Mm -hmm. Like this ventral vagal part, this just isn't like, this isn't just like a a science like orientation so that the ventral vagal part of the brain flashes and we connect to each other like we're robots like it's this is like this is real human connection this is listening this is um uh this is uh, creating together this is collaboration this is love mm. this is understanding this is compassion and if we can bring th- all of those things through this sort of work into um uh onto the stage, mm. into rehearsals, into the, the boardroom, mm. um, into our, our uh, conversations and interactions in our families and with our friends and the rest of the world. And that is really what it's about. Mm. Um, it's, you know, sort of starting with the individual biology, but you, you can't exclude other people because it's this is part of it. Yeah. But it, this being a collective thing... Mm. Um, that we're, we're collaborating, we're working together, we're, uh, you know, um, sort of pleasurably, like, spreading this this connection, this love, this this understanding of each other. So mm. Yeah, that's, that's, that's... the bigger thing. That's I think that's really important to mention, though, that it's, yeah. a, it's not just a way that we can work individually, it actually can affect the way we approach our entire process of working with other people. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. Craig, this has been incredible. I think this has been really useful for just giving people some insight into what is organic intelligence, why is it useful for human beings, but also specifically for people who are interested in communicating better. Uh, Is there a way that people can find out more about you? Oh, yes, there is. Um, So my website isn't quite updated yet, so they'll have nothing on organic intelligence yet. But uh, if you would like to get in contact, you can... Uh, well, my website is craigdcoaching.co.uk and you can email, email me at craig at craigdcoaching.co.uk if you, if you need anything or you're interested in anything that we we're talking about or you want yeah. some coaching or... Um, Thank you so much. This yeah. has been like... You're on Instagram as well, right? Oh, oh, oh you... yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so bad. Just... I'm so bad at the social media thing. I'm also on Instagram as Craig Juker. Yes, that's that's a. We'll spell that in the show yeah. notes. D e u c h a r. Uh, I'm also on Facebook as well, but uh, yeah. So follow me on all the usual. Uh, all the usual media channels. channels. Uh, thank you for all your questions and like your understanding of this work as well. It's just like, wow! Like really shines through in your questions and and all of the, the the reflections that we've had today. It's been a joy. It's been such a pleasure. It's so good just to do your pal, like just yes. do a podcast for your pal. My first uh, podcast, by the way. Oh. So my cherry has been popped. Oh my goodness! Yes. I am honored, <laughs> super honored. So as I'm sure our listeners, I'm sure have just been. Um, 
honored to hear that they have. <laughs> oh, honored. You've been honored. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, you've yes, been honoured. Yes. Notice the honour in your body that you've yeah. felt listening to <laughs> enjoy me. Enjoy it locally. <laughs> Let yes, it enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. And thank you, listeners, so much for listening. We'd love to hear your questions because this is a, also a curiosity that Craig and I just have together as well as separately in our coaching. It's something that we're, we're actively collaborating on together as well as separately. So we'd love to hear just your your insights into the questions that are coming up as you're listening to this episode or if you've ever worked with either of us before uh, how this has been helpful for you uh, your curiosities around how it could be helpful for you that would just be great to hear from you so you know how to contact Craig and in terms of us you know you can email us at bespoke.com contact at gmail.com you can find us on our website at bespoke-communication.com and on Facebook at Bespoke Communication and Instagram at Bespoke Speaks. So uh, we are very widely available and wanting to hear from you. And in the meantime, thank you so much, Craig, and we will see you next time. Bye-bye.